Blog Talk Radio. Animal folks, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and in this week's installment of the show, we're going to deal with the difficult subject of pet loss. In just a moment, author Sid Corpy will be joining us and offering some very helpful advice for anyone who has recently faced or will soon be facing the death of a beloved pet. Then later, author Sandra Wolf will be checking in and telling us about her take on how dogs can teach us about heaven. Important animal topics are just on the other side of the break, so keep your radio tuner right where it is on Retro 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's my pleasure to introduce a person who has some very special insight on dealing with pet loss. It's Sid Corby. Welcome to the Pet Place, Sid. Thank you so much, Marie. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I understand you've written a book about, you know, this difficult topic of pet loss. Can you yes. tell me a little bit about it? Yes, it's called Good Grief, Finding Peace After Pet Loss. And you'll notice it's not You'll never grieve again. I'd go. I'd get very rich if I could guarantee that. <laughs> but instead, it helps to give you ways to cope better with the passing of a, a pet or any loved one, and uh, you know, just find ways to accept death as a transition rather than an ending. Well, you must have had a situation in your own life that inspired you to write this book. Is, is uh, that the case? Yes, I kind of inadvertently became a grief expert. Over just a couple years span, I lost my mother, stepfather, uncle, dog, two cats, cockatiel, and 15-year marriage. And I've had various enormous continuing education credits with two more dogs lost and several relatives and two more best friends in two years. So it was, you, you know, I found I had a choice of either get a good relationship with death or, you know, run to join all of the ones I loved on the other Yeah, side. that's, you know, I think that's the worst part of life is, you know, we have to say goodbye to everybody. And I always felt like, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about this design he created. <laughs> why don't we make, you know, this nice big, instead of this horrible way of dying, why don't we just have a day where everybody has this big send-off and then off they go. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you have, like, Skype where you can still stay That's in touch. That's right. There you go. That would have been so much better. So It's on my list of discussions in the All afterlife. right, well, I'm glad you're going to take care of that for us. Thanks, Marie. <laughs> One less thing for me to do. Oh, okay. Well, you know, the thing about, I mean, with when a, a loved one, a human, passes away, everybody understands it's difficult to deal mm-hmm. with. But i got to tell you, when when somebody loses a pet, the the general vibe you get from most people is, yeah, it was a dog, it was a cat, you know, mm-hmm. what's the big deal, get over it. And and they don't understand it's the same kind of grieving unless they had that kind of relationship with a pet. Absolutely, and we can actually pity people who don't understand that deep animal-human bond because they're missing so much. Uh, but I think that uh, the fact that our society poo-poos the whole idea that 
pet loss is a valid thing to go through. Uh, I think that contributes to making it harder for some people to deal with pet loss than even a human loss. And you think of it in a couple ways. We spend 24-7 sometimes with our pets. Mm -hmm. And how many arguments do you actually get into with your dog or cat? Whereas human relationships are fraught with conflicts and mixed emotions and so forth. With animals, that love is pure, going both ways. Absolutely. And when you, you lose that, you lose a sense of your purpose in life because you were taking care of something. You also had a, a stronger sense of responsibility for that pet's life and the end of that pet's life that we don't often have with human beings. Mm -hmm. And th so there's so many layers. And any time you lose a pet, it can dredge up feelings of past losses of humans or jobs or moving. or You know, anything that you have grieved in the past comes right along on the tail of, of this. Well, of how, how do you <laughs> deal with it? How do you address all these strong feelings and, and try to get back to a sense of normalcy? Well, the first thing is to recognize that you're feeling a normal thing. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is the right thing to do. If you can avoid the people you know are going to be in your face ridiculing you, that's that's good. I mean, if you have to feign a hangnail and call in sick to work for a day or two, do it if you can. Mm -hmm. uh, treat yourself well. Do things to uh, pull yourself out of your immediate grief. Maybe not the first day or two, but you know, weeks into it. Do things like volunteer. Perhaps you have a neighbor who works long hours and you could volunteer to walk his or her dog. And then you'd, you'd have that little doggy fix or whatever, but not <laughs> be hurting yourself. Or you can volunteer at shelters. Anything that we do, even if you don't want it to be animal related, things that we do to help others tends to help lighten our own emotional burden. And another very important thing to do is don't forget to memorialize your pet's life. It's one thing to be grieving the loss, but you also have to celebrate all that they gave you when they were here. And there you know, are myriad ways you can do that, and it can be you know, sit alone, light a candle, think about them, and cry. It yeah. can be write a song. It can be paint a picture. It can be throw a party. You know, mm -hmm. Whatever it is for you, and my book offers a lot of different ideas on that, um, it's a part of necessary closure that we need to do just like a, a funeral service or memorial service for a person. You still have to do that. And I think that's especially important if you have children who are dealing with pet mm -hmm. loss because often the loss of a pet is the first death of a loved one that they've Absolutely. ever experienced, and it and can be very, very difficult for them. And you are modeling for them how they should treat all important losses like this. If you stuff your emotions and deny it and, you know, go cry in a closet and hide it from the kids... They're going to think they have to do that, too. It's far more important to, to let your feelings show. Say, I'm really sad that Fluffy died, and it's okay to cry now. Yeah. And, you know, it really is important to be genuine about this because, you know, they're going to take that lesson forward. What I've done with, with my children over the years uh, when we've had a loss of a, a pet is We'll go and we'll purchase a, a garden stone that you could paint, and then everybody adds their own little picture of yeah. of our pet, and then we put the pet's name and and its date of birth if we know it, and the day that it died, and we put that out in our garden, and then we we each um, take turns saying our favorite memory 
of our oh, pet. Perfect. And, you know, it just perfect. I'll say it really helps the kids, but it really helps me. Oh, it helps everyone. <laughs> and, you know, it lets your pet spirit know how much you love them because, you know, they're, they've transitioned. That's why animals aren't afraid of death. They get it. They just go, oh, it's like walking into the next room. Yeah. We humans don't get it, and we fear it more than anything else, and we'll do anything to forestall death, and we'll do anything to avoid it. But if you can understand that, you know, energetically they've changed, of mm-hmm. course, but there's a spirit there that can still connect with you when you think of them and you send them love. Right. They'll always be in your heart. Absolutely. And, you know, you were talking about how we try and avoid death in our own lives, and and I think some of us will often try and postpone death with our pets, too, Mm -hmm. long Mm -hmm. past the time that it's maybe humane. Oh, very much so. And I know it's difficult to make the decision to euthanize a pet when they've gotten to the point that there is no quality of life. When do you recommend somebody consider that alternative? Well, I know it's asking something very difficult of people, as you said, but if you can take yourself out of the equation, this transition is not about you. This is about your beloved pet. And you kind of make a checklist of all the things that your pet loves in life, you know, whether it's chasing a ball, playing with a catnip mouse, going for walks, playing at the dog park, you know, whatever. You have this checklist. And if all of the things they love suddenly you can't check them off anymore because they can't do it. Uh, They can't maybe uh, stand up. They can't eat. They can't, you know, whatever. When that list is staring you in the face and you say, that's my proof that there's no quality of life here, it really is time to let them go. And there are options with hospice where you can uh, take care of the pain and keep that at a minimum. But, you know, either way, those are humane approaches to accepting that the transition of death is soon. And often you can have a veterinarian come to your house, too, rather mm-hmm. than put your, your pet, who's at the end stages of its life, through the trauma of a trip to the veterinarian's office and Absolutely. everything. I really wish that would happen for mine, but they keep doing it. You know, they let me know, it's now, Mom, when, when it's the night before Thanksgiving. Nobody's <laughs> available. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> my, my pets have humor they just want to make sure they're the center of attention well sure i mean and they you know, they come into your life for such important reasons part of why i wrote this book was the passing of one of my westies named ludwig we had an all pets memorial service with 30 human beings in attendance wow. and everyone was saying you got to write a book about this and so forth so I started writing it a few years later. It's finished, and when I turned in the pages to the designer, my Westie Mortimer died. Oh. And so they became the bookends, and he was my epilogue. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it was brutally hard, and I'm shaking my fist at the sky saying, did I need this irony? Did you really think I didn't understand this when I wrote this book? Yeah. But at the same time, it was so profound, and you just felt the sense of, Oh, you guys signed on for such a loving purpose. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you lose a pet, and I bet you've experienced it, especially with the loss of your Westies, people almost immediately say, well, why don't you get another pet, you know, to, to take his place? And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you can, but sometimes you're just not ready yet. When is the right time to get a new pet after you've lost one? Well, clearly it'll be individual to the person, but... 
by and large, I really recommend you don't just do a knee jerk and run straight to the pound. When people say, I just couldn't stand it anymore, it was too quiet in the house, I had to get another animal, maybe that works for them, but in a lot of cases, that's an instance of them running away from dealing with their feelings, mm-hmm. you know, and stuffing it and, you know, putting a, a little doggy or kitty Band-Aid over their hearts. And, again, it may work for some, but on the whole, you need time to grieve. And you'll know when the time is right um, because just contemplating getting a pet won't send you into, an, you know, a heart attack or something. Uh-huh. And uh, a lot of times you can, you know, sort of energetically reach out and say to your past pets, you paw pick for me the best pet and I'll know when I meet them. Yeah. And it happens so often because then if you, you know, kind of feel like you've paid um, an homage to your, your past pet, you don't feel that sense of betrayal. Mm-hmm. that a lot of us feel like, oh, my gosh, if I get another dog, well, then this dog will think I didn't love him. And and that's certainly not true. What you're doing in eventually moving on and opening your heart and home to another pet is showing your past pets how much you learned from them because they were here to teach you about unconditional love. They were here to teach you about living in the moment. And if you refuse and you just say, oh, it hurt too much, I'll never get another pet again, that's like spitting in their faces saying, you spent your whole life and your death teaching me this, and I'm going la, 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 la with my fingers in my ears. Yeah. And so, you know, if people kind of change the way they view it, they give themselves the time to feel better and to work through the emotions, and then they can honor all of their past pets' lessons by getting a new animal Absolutely. in their home. Absolutely. That's great advice. You know, I'm sure you have so much more in your book. Where can our listeners get your book if they wanted to? Well, they have several choices. Uh, There's my website, www.goodgriefpetloss.com. And if you order there, you can have me personally inscribe it however you'd like. In loving memory of whoever. It makes a great gift if you know someone's facing this issue. Let's repeat that website one more time. It's www.goodgriefpetloss.com petloss.com and two dollars from each book is donated to a no-kill shelter it's also available at borders books barnes and noble uh, amazon.com and you can request it anywhere they're able to order it at any store well that's just wonderful this is great information and i want to thank you for being on the pet place today and to share all this information with our listeners. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for making room for me. Very good. We need to take a quick break now, but author Sandra Wolf is waiting in the wings to talk about her new book, which touches on the spiritual side of dogs in our lives. This is coming right up on the pet place here on Retro Till 60, so don't go away. We'll be right back. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show with author Sandra Wolf. Welcome to the Pet Place, Sandra. Thank you, Marie. Thank you for having me. So you just wrote a book, and I'm wondering if you could tell me the title. It's uh, called What Dogs Teach Us About the Kingdom of Heaven. Wow. How did you come up with the idea for this book? Well, it came about from a love for God and His creation. And for me specifically, of the dog kind. Okay. Uh, as far, go ahead. Go, oh, no, no, no. I, I was interrupting you. So, so you go on. Tell me what your book is about. Well, as far 
fact as I can remember, I've had a deep love for dogs. So I spent a lot of time in study and observation, not only in the categories of obedience and behavioral training, but I personally experienced a deep, tangible, seemingly endless and unbreakable bond of love that's forged in a dog's heart for the people they live with. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe everything was created by God for a divine purpose, as most Christians do. And because of that, each part of his creation reflects a trait of himself. And what I discovered is how God is always teaching us something about himself through his creation so we can see to better learn of him. And, of course, when I came to that discovery, I wondered how many other dog lovers didn't see that picture of God's traits displayed right next to him every day. Yeah, unconditional love and loyalty and and just innocence. It's, it's just really beautiful what you see in a pet and, and its bond with its people. It's, it's just oh, absolutely it's, it incredible. Oh, it is beautiful. And, and most dog lovers know all these all those things that you just said, but there's so much more depth to it than that when you look at it as a picture of what Jesus is trying to teach us to be the best follower that we can be, and then the way that the dog follows its master. Well, you know, dogs teach us so much in in how to be good people. I mean, I always felt like if people could be more like dogs, uh, they'd... (laughs) They'd get along so much better. I mean, dogs will almost always accept everybody, and and they forgive everybody, everything, no matter what. I've I've rescued dogs that have lived in the most horrible, inhumane conditions, and and when you think of what they've been through, you'd think that they'd end up becoming terrible personalities, and instead they continue being loving, loyal, forgiving, just beautiful little individuals, and, and... it, it's, it just amazes me to no end. And and when they come across other dogs, too, it's always, let's wag our tail, let's meet you, and, and everybody is always happy in the dog park. It's <laughs> oh, I know, and it's interesting that you, should, that you would say that because my very first dog at 33 um, was that I rescued her from our local animal shelter. And I really believe that a dog that has that has been rejected almost from the moment it was born. And they wind up in jail through no fault of their own. They never forget when they're when they're rescued, they never forget where they came from. And humans are so guilty of that. Uh-huh. You know, that that when they are in the miry clay and Jesus rescues them into a better life you know, eternal life, the promise of eternal life. They forget where they came from. But Quincy never forgot. That's my first dog. Mm-hmm. She never forgot that I came and saved her. And her whole life was eager to please, and she loved everybody. She always had a wag in the tail or a kiss on the hand for everybody she met. And I truly believe that that I call it mutt love. I don't know. Hope nobody takes offense at that. But I call. I mean, but I do. I mean, I call it mutt love, and it's almost like you know that that the uh, the pedigrees 
they're always wanted. Even in an animal shelter, you probably know this, even in an animal shelter type situation, because there's so many uh, specific uh, rescue groups for different breeds. Right. I mean, we have one here for German Shepherds. We have one here for, uh, you know, every breed possible. Cats. Yeah. But but the the mixed breed they get left behind. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's kind of like when when Jesus was on Earth and he went to the Jewish people and the Jewish leaders rejected him. But but the maimed and the crippled and the poor they loved him and embraced him. And so they got the greater blessing of being the ones to introduce Jesus to the world. I mean, I can look at the Gentiles kind of like muds, like, you know, dog muds. I mean, I I go through that in the book a little bit, too, but it's interesting that you would say that. Well, what do you want the listening audience to come away with after uh, reading your book? What's what's your goal there? Well... Actually, this was written to dog lovers. This book was written with dog lovers in mind. And it's for the person that that loves their dog, accepts them as a true friend, companion and family member. And it's for those that see their dog as a beloved and precious part of their lives. And even though, like I said, I wrote it with the Christian context and, and format, I truly wrote it for every dog lover out there. But for Christians that might read the book and are listening, it's my prayer that your eyes would be open to the divinity traits found within your own dog. Perhaps you'll see more than you imagined, and you may even come up with your own. But greater still would be the one day that you might have the opportunity to use the book as a witnessing tool for someone you know that deeply loves your dog but doesn't know the Lord. And perhaps that person would see the witness of Jesus' testimony that embraces them in the eyes of their precious friend and maybe come to accept him as Lord and Savior. See? Okay. And how can people contact you if they wanted to get more information? They can contact me through my website, and that's www.com. ChristianDogLovers.com. They can also find me on Facebook. They just search for my name, Sandra Wolf. How do you spell that? S. Oh, Sandra and Wolf is W O L F E. Okay, so there's an E at the end of Wolf. Yes. Okay. And where can people buy your book? Well, they can order it from the website. There are several other online venues where the book is available. And they can find all that information out at the website and click on the How to Order tab. Okay. Now, you talked about uh, how you got your very first dog from an animal shelter. How many more dogs have you had since then? Well, um, I have one right now. I've got a seven-year-old German Shepherd dog. Was he from German Shepherd Rescue? No. No, she wasn't, but she was unpapered. Mm-hmm. And she's, she had some hip problems. And she had an umbilical hernia, and I said, I want that one. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been together for seven years, and she is totally the opposite of my first dog. Really? In what way? Well, she's, you know, Quincy was real quiet and reserved and just a love muffin. And Anna is one of these that when I brought her home, she just ran to and fro and just 
you know, she was hyper. And Jeremy yeah. Shepherds need to have a lot of activities, I think. They need yes, to be kept yes. busy. They have very intelligent minds, and you got to give them a lot of tasks to do. Oh, yes. Oh, I, she's almost too smart. Okay. <laughs> she was almost too smart for us. And, you know, and that's when you really learn, you know, the, the things that you've learned in the past of, like, the way I trained Quincy, I couldn't use the same techniques on Anna. I had to use different things on Anna. Yeah, every, every dog you, is an individual. That's right. That's exactly right. And she is, she's the comedian. She always makes me laugh. I don't care. I could be having the worst day in my whole life, and she's got this big, joker, panting smile. Isn't that, that great? Just, that just, I mean, she just, the whole, her whole uh, countenance just enters the room. Like, okay, what are we going to do for fun today? That's, that's the you great know. thing about having a pet in your life, no matter how bad your day has been, when you get home and you see that big dog grin or you have a little kitty who's rubbing against your legs and looking up at you and purring it's just makes everything melt away and and you realize and i'm just so thankful to god that he made all these little buddies for us yeah that he (laughs) could look into eternity future and see how much enjoyment and how much love that we have the capacity to give to our pets. Absolutely. I don't care if it's a dog or a cat. I just love dogs. I mean, Lassie was my hero, you know. <laughs> I'm serious. I know that probably makes me sound kind of silly, but I'm serious. She wasn't. It made me want a dog from that point on. Well, there you when go. I was just a little bitty girl. I mean, a little bitty girl. Sandra, thank you so much for chatting with us today and telling us well, about your book. Let's get your website out one more time. Okay. It's dot. ChristianDogLovers.com. And I'd love to hear from your listeners. Okay. Well, we need to take our final break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events on Retro 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. On Saturday, July 17th, from 9 to 10 a.m., find your zen with your pooch and get in some bonding time as well. A workout for both you and your dog in Doga, Dog Plus Yoga. You'll both do sun salutations, downward-facing position, upward paw pose, and more. You'll meet to RSVP by July 16th. Classes are held at Choosy Dog, located at 4107 Viking Way in Long Beach. For more information, call 562-354-6040 or visit www.choosydogonline.com. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spare neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.